insight and awareness spiritual explorer, soul intuitive, emotional and spiritual mentor and award-winning author, Lorraine Nylon. Welcome explorers to the Insight and Awareness Spiritual Explorers podcast. I'm your host Lorraine Nylon and I have the absolute privilege of having AJ Parr here today who is a Venezuela journalist and a comparative religious researcher, an author with over 20 spiritual books and he also has his own YouTube channel specialising in near-death experiences which is what we're going to talk about today. His book is Stairway to Heaven, 25 Near-Death Experiences About Encounters with God, Jesus and Paradise. So thank you for being here, AJ. Well, thank you for inviting me, Lorraine. I'm really glad you did and it seems like we're going to have a good time right now. I think so. So can you explain what you know of near-death experiences. If, if the listeners have never heard a story before about near-death experiences, what, give us a little overview of them. Yes, uh, since the beginning of uh, mankind, people have had accidents or they have died for some reason and um, they have come back to life a few minutes after this. And when they come back to life, they come back with the memory of being somewhere else. Now, this can go from a simple out-of-body experience. For example, you are um, having a, a heart surgery. And all of a sudden, your heart stops. And uh, the doctors... You know, you, you flatline and the doctors take a few minutes to revive you or to resuscitate you. Okay. So in the meantime, people say they left their body. They floated over the, the surgery room. They watched the doctors and they can describe details that no one else could have seen. Or, for example, in one case, there was this woman who uh, she floated out of the hospital and saw that they saw a shoe in one of the windows. <laughs> she went shopping. <laughs> so when she came back, she told the doctors and the nurses, and there was, I think it was a nurse, she looked out the windows and no, there was nothing there. But then when she checked, the high, the higher floors, they ah. found the, the the shoe. Right. So there are certain evidences of what we can call out of body experiences. But this is not what drew my attention, uh, and that's not what I talk about in in my latest book, because I focus more on uh, mystical experiences right. or religious experiences. Because a lot of people say they may begin their, their journey uh, by having an out-of-body experience. A lot of people go through that, but not necessarily. After this, a lot of people say um, they, uh, they go through a tunnel or something similar. 
They also compare it, you know, uh, when you see in Star Wars or Star Trek, when they go like hyperspeed. So you see all the stars coming yeah. by, you know, really quickly. That looks like a tunnel, okay? If you think about it, you know. So they have, some people describe it as crossing the universe at high speed. Others describe it as uh, a tunnel. But also those experiences that uh, may lead you through a tunnel are not necessarily mystical because you may go through the tunnel, you may find, for example, your grandfather, your dead grandfather, mm -hmm. and he may say, hey, it's not your time. <laughs> and all of a sudden you wake up in the surgery room, in, you know, and the doctors just got you back. So that's really something strange. Indeed. However, people, a lot of people, uh, I, I interviewed like two dozen different people and 15 of them, right. it, they, they either, they, they saw God, Jesus, or they went to heaven or paradise. So I can focus on those 15. Huh? I was going to say, <clears throat> were they, were out of the two dozen people that you interviewed, were they all religious or were they? No. 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 There, one of them is uh, Raymond O'Brien. He is what you call a seer. He comes from a family of seers. These are intuitive healers. And he, they are, he, he was not raised like a Christian. They are like, they are spiritual in a way because they do spiritual practices, but their own, okay? So mm -hmm. it's, they don't, he was not raised like a Christian in any way or a Catholic, no. And he, when he told me his experience, he told me that uh, he was met by some people in a in a place where there was this guy who looked like Santa Claus, who had a big white beard. Right. He had a book in his hand. And then right. Raymond approached him or his spirit. And then he simply looked at the book and said, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> and went like this. And he came back. He was in, still in the ambulance. They were taking him to the hospital. So he had, his heart stopped 10 times that day, and he had three major near-death experiences. I mentioned two of them in the book. Right. There are really impressive accounts. There and are how, how old, studying. Just out of sorry, out of curiosity, how old was that guy when he was having, was he in his... 50, around 50. Yeah. Yeah. So, and did many of them have the guy with the book telling you whether you're in or are you? Uh, okay. What I did was, I did find someone else that talked about the book, right. but she, she, when she went there, it was a totally different story. She did not see a Santa Claus, but she did see 
a big light, and then within this light, there was like a, a palace, or but it was full of mist. And there she saw a book, but this time it was the book of her life, and it was open in the middle. So she knew that her time was not completed, yeah. that she still had like half a life left. Yeah. So that was really interesting. So why the book? And um, however, I, I I pointed out the nine most common uh, elements that, that okay. I found, and I don't really focus on the books because I did find two more uh, accounts or testimonies in the files of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. Wow. I don't know if you are aware, but that's the no biggest way. the biggest collection of near-death experiences in the world. This is a, a, a website they opened in the 90s. Wow. Okay, This doctor called Dr. Jeffrey Long, and his wife, uh, Jody Long, is also a near-death uh, researcher. And she's written books. So they have around 6,000 testimonies. So what people do is they can, from anywhere in the world, if you have had, if anyone listening to this has had a near-death experience, they can tell their story, they can write it down, and they can answer the questions of a questionnaire they have prepared. First of all, to detect if you're lying, yeah, that's about to know certain things about your experience and how yeah. you feel. So a, uh, they have six thousand people have completed the uh, questionnaire, and they have uh, Dr. Jeffrey Long found also a list of elements that are common, like, such as the tunnel, uh, the light, and a lot of elements that are present in all near-death experiences. Not in all. Near-death experiences can, can can have one or more of those elements. Okay, right. Out-of-body experiences, one of them. Uh, going through a tunnel is another one. Finding the light is another one. Being met by uh, light beings or by dead people, you know, yeah. dead relatives or friends. That's another characteristic. However, when I... They, when I um, when I uh, analyzed, I did this like a like a research, like a real research, because I did not know what was going to be the result. Okay, I started interviewing people. Yeah. And when I had two dozens, I noticed that these fifteen talked about, you know, either God, Jesus, or um, heaven. So when I had them all, okay, I compared or. I analyzed them and found, I'm going to mention some of them, not the whole nine, because I want your uh, listeners to have curiosity yeah, and fair enough. You know, find out what the rest are. But frequent one is meeting the light. Meeting the light doesn't mean that you just see a light. No. A lot of these people, they describe this light as loving, okay, mm -hmm. loving light, 
wise light and it's so bright it's brighter than the sun but it does not hurt your eyes that's interesting yes yeah so that's really strange because I, when I interviewed, for example, someone from Australia, mm -hmm. like I did, um, Colin Perry from Australia. Right. Okay. His, he had uh, his heart stopped. And also he had that experience. So he describes the light. And he also had another characteristic that I mentioned is hearing a voice. Most, mostly the voice of God, identified as the voice of God. Colin Perry had a heart attack. He's, he had severe pain in his chest, and he heard a voice that told him, call an ambulance. Get your things ready. I have things for you to do. Right. So he flipped out, but you know, he, he walked. <laughs> He was in. He was trying to uh, turn on and ignite a, a lawnmower. So he just went home, did that, called the ambulance, and when he was in the ambulance, he all of a sudden found himself floating this vast white space. Isn't that and eventually, when he called Jesus. He was there. He started getting afraid. And then he decided to call Jesus. And Jesus came from him, came for him. And he says that he was taken to this place. First of all, Jesus was like a light being. They all used this word, you know, being of light or a light being. They all, or most of them, describe these, they call them angels too. But but when you ask them, hey, how would you describe them? Did they have wings? Yeah. Well, they look more like light beings. So that's really interesting. So uh, it's fascinating that there's so many stories that are, are similar, you know, like so. Yes. And, and how does it, after someone's had a near death experience where they can remember different things, how does it impact their life afterwards? How does it affect? Yes, I will tell you the uh, most transformative element of all. Okay. Not only capable of transforming them, but it may also transform you, Lorraine. By listening to it their story. It transformed me. Okay. Yeah. This is what happened. Okay. The, the second person I um, interviewed, he uh, identified himself as a Christian, okay? So he said, yes, I'm a Christian. So I asked him, what denomination? No, no. There is only one Christianity, so he does not belong to any religion. He said, look, I was in heaven. I met Jesus. I don't need any religion. <laughs> I mean, that's a, this is something else. So what happened to him that really made me think twice? He said he had what they call a life review. Oh, yes. So you may wonder, what's a life review? Yeah. Well, normally people say, yeah, when you're going to die, you see all your life, you know, pass by in a second. 
Yeah. That's not really a life review, okay? That's like a rewind. I don't know what it is. But a life review is different. First of all, you stand before Jesus, God, or one of these light beings, okay? Yeah. And you see your whole life, not only from your perspective, but also from the perspective of others. Mm. And uh, nobody judges you except yourself. So mm -hmm. what do they show you? What, what are the, the things you are judged by? But remember, you are not judged. You judge yourself. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You are, are you judged because of your accomplishments? No. Are you judged because... You did this and that. You were a good father or a good mother or whatever. No. You are judged by the way you treat others. Mm. And what happens? When you have this life review and you treated someone bad, you will, re you will remember or you, you will relive how you felt treating someone bad. And you will also feel the how the other people felt when you were treating him or her bad. And you will see how they see you. Like yeah. an ugly person, like someone, you know. They will see you from, they, you will be able to see yourself from outside. So you will see yourself, you know, when you get, when you lost, lose your temper. All the, all, everything you've done in life. So yeah, this, it's just interesting. Well, I, I've heard this before, <clears throat> and I'm very aware of it. So you know, they, for me, I was sort of I have the understanding that you will, you will, like you said, you will relive how the other person felt. So you have a full understanding of how your words, your actions, your own yes. energy, your intention, how it has impacted people around you. And different stories I've read about, like I, have, I don't know these people, I've just read about, they said it was very surprising what actually came up. It was even, you know, the, the, the first day at school when you, you know, pinched somebody's school bag or, some, you know, like moved it or something like that. It wasn't a very big story, but the impact of actually being able to feel that and know how, yes. how we do have a major impact on each other. So this, uh, this, uh, he was an army veteran, and uh, he had done many things that he regretted. So for him, it was really embarrassing. But at the same time, he said that he felt that Jesus, he was with Jesus, was giving him love and support all the time. He was being bombarded by love, and well, as he saw his mistakes. So what happened? When he came back, he came back transformed. Now he works helping the homeless in the United States. So he has a foundation and he works helping others. So that was a big transformation. And this is really crazy because this other guy, Robert Baer, who is an ex-policeman, he, uh, he was with law enforcement for 20, 
for 30 years. And he had a near-death experience also, and he had a life review. And his life review was really more detailed, and it went from the day he was conceived. Right. You got right from the start. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything, his childhood. He even it tells uh, several uh, anecdotes that are in the book in which he, um, for example, he had a, a friend who was who had hemophilia. Okay. So he had hemophilia and he was not allowed to play do sports or anything. So um, he was his next door neighbor. So he, the Robert used to spend a lot of time with him playing Monopoly and the mother would prepare Kool-Aid and he would enjoy visiting this, this kid and they became friends. So when he was watching that part, he said he could taste the Kool-Aid once again exactly as Paul was his name, as Paul's mother prepared it. And then when he was watching it, he heard a voice. And the voice said, you were my best friend. <laughs> so he had a problem with this girl when he was a teenager. And uh, she she got mad one day and she, she gave him a letter. Okay? Yeah. So when he was there, he, re he relived that. And he, he, he could feel how how she made her feel. And then he heard a voice and it said, you never opened the letter. <laughs> and had he? He had no and idea. He had never opened, <laughs> opened the letter. So, <laughs> and he says he still has it somewhere, but that he didn't open it and he won't open it. <laughs> so the voices that he was hearing was that, were they still alive or were they passed? Okay, so when I asked him that, these persons had died when he came back, he found out that Paul, the kid, had died. These people were dead. And also, he said that he was surrounded by what seemed to be a crowd of spirits. And then they spoke. They were the people he had interacted with. Yeah. And so they communicated. That was a bit different than the other. But when, when I realized that we, and he said the same thing, you are not judged by anything but how you treat others. And I say, wow, what is this? So yeah. he has this passion for helping others. Yeah. And the other one too. So I said to myself, hey, one of them says he's Christian, but Robert, not, he, I've never heard him mention Christianity, but he is being more Christian than what many people who say they are Christians do, you know? He's yes. really helping others. So what is Christianity? Is it belonging to a church? Or is it helping others? Because if it's helping others, then people in India who are not even Christian also help others. So there, these good people are everywhere in all cultures, in all religions. And many have had near-death experiences. So my theory, uh, that's what I'm trying to investigate now, is that in prehistoric times or in ancient times, even before Jesus, people died. They had near-death experiences and they saw the light yeah. and they saw 
this son of God or this light became becomes like a being or takes form so we humans understand it and if you are a Buddhist you will see probably Buddha if you are Hindu you will probably see Krishna I know someone who saw Christ and also Muhammad so this is what Carl Jung psychoanalyst he called the archetypes yeah for example god cannot show himself directly to you or to me it has to pass through the subconscious so it takes form according to our cultural baggage yeah but the archetype has a life of its own yeah well, and I think it, I think this is just my theory on it, is that if I'm trying to get a message to you, I've got to work out how you're going to understand my message. So I often hear, right. and I've, I've had this experience myself, is that when I call them crossed over souls, so people that have died and then they come back to let the other people know their loved ones are okay. So when, when I see my father, I see him about 65 even though he died when he was 77, but he looked like he was about roughly what he looked like at 65. So that when his sister seen him, he was 25, you know, after he died. So, so she died. So, so he looked 25 to her, but that's when, you know, she has all these great stories about her and her brother and all the rest of it. And I said to her, it's yes. really funny because when I seen him, he looked roughly 65 because he had that look for a very long time. And that's when I think right. of dad, that's what I think of. And I think that's how it works for lots of other things is they were, you know, we're running it through our filters of what we can accept, what we can expand our mind to understand. And it right. will try and meet us there so that we are comfortable in whatever messages or understanding or vision or whatever you're getting. So yeah, it's like trying to communicate with a with a squirrel or with a, an ant. That's you right. know, how can you communicate? So it's hard. Also, the it's, it's it, it is another dimension. Okay, so if you show if you place a, a chair in in a one dimension world, they will see a point, a dot. Okay, but if you if it's two-dimensional and you place a chair, they will see a line. Here right. we see a chair as we see it, but in the in the fifth dimension, because they say that the fourth dimension is time, in the fifth dimension, you get to see the chair from the top, from the bottom, from every side at the same time, right. <laughs> and all and past, present, future at the same time. So it, we, it's unimaginable. I mean, we yeah. cannot imagine what, what it's like. Because it's another dimension. Yeah. So they are doing their best to communicate with you. Also, dreams, since ancient times, dreams have been the a communicator with the spiritual world. People like Abraham, they were visited, they had dreams and they saw God and God talked to them. And even, you know, there are many stories in the Bible of people who dreamed and Perhaps they saw an angel. So those dreams are what they call vivid dreams. 
Lucid dreams is when you realize that you're dreaming within a vivid dreams. But there are some dreams that look more real than normal. Yeah. Okay? And then you say, hey, wait, this is this looks so real. It is real. Because this is also a dream. In some way, this is a dream. Why? Because all these subatomic particles are spinning around empty space. And they, all the scientists agree that this, what we call matter, is mostly empty space. And that we can only see certain levels of, uh, of light from infrared to ultraviolet. We can only see that, but there are other frequencies, higher and lower, that we cannot perceive. So, yeah, it's, our it's a mind, complex when system. We see, yeah, when we see something, our brain receives the impulses and fabricates an image in the mind. So, this is sort of like a dream, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's made by the mind. So, I think that same process the mind uses to allow us to understand this reality. It also uses it to contact the spiritual world. Or if God wants to talk to a human, he may contact you through a dream. Or maybe a hallucination. Or a voice. You probably hear a voice. Yeah. But it, you will always interpret it. For example, if you speak German, that voice will speak German. German, yes. <laughs> Danish, that voice will speak Danish. You see? So it yeah. always... And you hear it in your head. You don't hear it with your ears. You hear it in your head. Yes. Well, I've, I've had, I asked that same question. Some people hear it outside. Don't do so that. I've, yeah, in the back. Someone right. talking from behind. Two right. persons. And, um, because I think most people guy, have, I think right. most people have some form of story. If you get talking to people, um, they'll yes. have this moment or this, you know, events yes. or this. And it might only be minor, but most people have something. Yes. They, yeah. uh, their near-death experiences are only one type of what is now known as spiritually transformative experiences, which includes mystical experiences, psychic experiences, near-death experiences, and a whole range of other experiences that uh, basic, are basically... Uh, centered on uh, exalted states of consciousness and communications with the mystical or spiritual world, and um, this can have this may include many variations. So I think a lot of people have had some sort of communication for, with the with the other side. You know, I've had dreams. With my dead mother, with my dead father, I don't know. Have you? Yeah. Oh, well, I see things. So yeah, I've got. Yeah. A so a lot of people, you know, they. Well, how can you tell if these dreams are simple dreams or if they are really trying to tell you something? Because in certain cases, um, people do communicate. And regarding near-death experiences. There is something else that uh, draws my attention is that although people say that it can be uh, created biologically uh, to make us uh, 
I don't know that we receive too much. Uh, certain chemicals are uh, boosted when when you die, but there are other things like uh, this father and his son. They went out to dinner, so they crashed, and um, they both were unconscious. I have this story that I included in the book. It's not uh, from someone I interviewed, but I did uh, try to find in the Near-Death Experience Research Foundations, uh, I tried to find some sort of testimony uh, about Jesus. And I found this one, which is really interesting. Okay, so uh, this father and son went out to have dinner. They crashed. They both were left unconscious. The father died, and the son uh, was almost dead. He was in coma. So what happened? The son had this experience, near-death experience, so he went to heaven. So there he saw Jesus. I think it was Jesus or God, but I think it was Jesus. So Jesus talked to him and told him uh, that he had to go back. So he said, why? I, I, I like it here. You know, this is, this is nice, you know. <laughs> because you feel that, you know, you love everything. And it's really, you know. I'm set with him. They, like, they don't want to come back. Most people don't want to come back. So they said, he says, look, I made a deal with your father. He said he will stay, but that you have to go back to take care of your brother, of your small brother. Okay, so he said, and then Jesus said, you can come in now. <laughs> and the father came in. <laughs> so, so he says, hey, son, well, now you know. You know, I'm going to have to stay here. But don't worry. You know, go take care of him. And he said, yeah, dad. And all of a sudden, he woke up in the hospital. <laughs> and when they came to tell him that his father was dead, he already knew. He already knew. He took me. Wow. <laughs> so how that cannot be explained by mere uh, biochemicals. No. No. Okay. So there are ser several experience experiences. For example, uh, Dr. Melvin Morse, who was the uh, pioneer researcher, the first to do near-death experience research on children, right. he told me that one, he used to work resuscitating kids, okay? Yeah. yeah. In, the, in the Seattle Children's Hospital. So they would take uh, kids who had had uh, heart problems who had died and they tried to resuscitate him them in the 1980s mm -hmm. so the technology back then was sort of different okay so they did manage to bring back to life a certain percentage so he what he did was he interviewed personally interviewed all those kids who had died and come back yeah. And a certain percentage of them 
told him their stories. Many of them went through a tunnel, went, met Jesus, were in heaven, saw their dead grandfathers, even people they did not know that they had died. For example, a kid would see his grandfather, and then uh, when he came back, he would see an old picture. Who's that? That's the guy I met. That's your grandfather. You yeah. see some kids like that. So this guy, uh, uh, this kid who had died, Melvin Morse told, Dr. Melvin Morse told me that, um, came back and he said, look, Jesus told me that I had to come back because my mother was going to have, because I was going to have a little brother with heart problems and that, and that I needed to help my mother take care of him. And her mother was not even pregnant. And she did have a kid, and the kid did have heart problems. So how can you explain that? So I'm not saying that these are 100% scientific proofs. What I'm saying is that uh, this is like, I consider this like the first journalistic study ever done to find the common elements of heavenly near-death experiences and it has not, I have seen studies about God. I have seen studies about general near-death experiences. I'm not a scientist, but I guess uh, I like there is another journalist. Another journalist did a, I've seen books about near-death experiences written by um, journalists. But this is like a research I did, and all the people I interviewed are on YouTube. Yeah, I've seen that. And, so, and you're planning on doing a bit of a series on it too, aren't you? That you're yes, going to yes. Do. Yeah. Yeah, I like my second book will be, yeah, I want to do my second book on near-death experiences on children. Mm -hmm. And the third, I want to do it about near-death experiences and multi-religion population. Right. Why, yeah, why, trying to explain why we all see something different. Because even if we see Jesus, okay, what did your Jesus look like? Well, he was wrong. What did my Jesus look like? Well, he had dark hair. So how come? How long was your Jesus' hair? Well, he was shoulder length. No, mine was a little bit shorter, like yours. You see, yeah. so... <clears throat> I, I think I well I'm gonna hold to my theory. I think it's whatever will make you comfortable is what you'll see. Yes. To make you and the purpose of that is to make you feel comfortable, so that you you know yes. whatever whatever the message. Or be is. able to at least to be able to understand it. Yeah. Because if if they show up in the real form in the real shape, mm. it's probably like a star or you know. Well, and it's like trying to hand a kindergarten kid, a five-year-old, university maths. They're not going to understand right. it. So you've got to you've got to bridge that gap. So yeah, I'm going to ask you, yeah. Well, that's you know, like I see that in in different things that that I've experienced and and different stories of you know people seeing, like I said before, crossed over souls or 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 getting messages. Yes. You know, so it's it, you know that's why. 
you know, different people from the same family can see different, the same person but in different ways. So what? So I'm going to ask you the big question. What do you think um, humanity needs to acknowledge and understand for us to evolve? Because obviously to understand more of this, we need to evolve and expand our awareness. Yes, uh, what we need is what's happening right now. We are going through a new renaissance. Why? Because we were in the dark ages. When you were a kid and when I was a kid, we could not talk, openly talk about these topics. Uh, uh, 200 years ago or 500 years ago, they would have burned us. Yeah, true. In the middle of, you know, in the middle of the town and everyone would go there. You know, instead of going to the movies, they say, hey, let's go see the witch burn. Yeah. Or the Inquisition, you know? Yeah. So uh, this was when when the church, all churches, when, in, in 200, 300 years ago, if you spoke any, about these things, it, you would be punished severely. So uh, people didn't do that. So what happened? Recently, scientists, even today, those doctors that do these experiments, they are seen as crazy. You know, they say, hey, if you're a real scientist, you should not be studying near-death experiences. So these guys, these guys have been brave enough yeah. to do research work and to let people know what they're doing. So what is this leading to? Why will this transform humanity? I think that right now technology is allowing uh, med medical doctors to resuscitate more and more people. Before, like 100 years ago, people died and there was no way of bringing them back. Now there are many ways of bringing people back, you know? Yeah. So uh, more people are surviving. More people are coming with testimonies. More people are saying, hey, there is no religion. There is spirituality. Once you meet God, you don't need religion. So focus on establishing that direct connection in your heart. I knew one of the guys mentioned in the book, He, when he was with Jesus, he asked him, what is the religion here in, in heaven? And he said, no, no, in heaven there is no religion. All you're gonna, all you're gonna need is love. Yeah, that's. So uh, I agree with that. The real religion is love, and it does not have to be a religion. It is a spiritual way, a spiritual path, yeah. more than a religion, because a religion, a religion is created by men and women, mostly by men, in the past thousands of years ago. So these are like institutions, ran, you know, they have, they are not really the well, representation to, of God, you know? Yeah, God? well, they, they come with an element of, about trying to control yeah, the Yeah, it's like Procter and Gamble, okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, or it's a big company trying to run spirituality. No, you cannot do that. Yeah. You cannot own God. You cannot say my religion is right, your religion is wrong. No. There is only one religion, which is no religion, and, and which is God. 
there is only one God, and we are all are one. We are all one. And I was looking for religion as so, a way that you can explore spirituality. You know, it can give you concepts, it can give you um, rituals, if you like, that can make you, but it's still got to be a personal relationship that you have yes. with with where you come from, if you want to put it that way, you know, like the origins of our soul. And the more that we look at ourselves as souls in human, in physical bodies, the more we can come from a more expanded way of looking at things. And if we value the soul, then we start valuing everything else around us, including the planet that we're on, because we start looking at it differently. <clears throat> Which is what those people, yes. when they've had a look at their their life book, when they come back, they're like, right, hang on, I, I, I am absolutely responsible for my actions, words, and this this has a my soul has a longevity, so it has to change your perception of how you're living. Because when you narrow it down, you narrow everything down. You get a smaller understanding of yourself. You run your judgment on people before you see them so you don't get to really know them. You know what I mean? You're judging everything. So it, it limits our perception of what we're actually even already experiencing, let alone right. what, what we can't comp- fully comprehend. Right. So I think uh, this time that we are living was predicted. I remember when I was small, there was this song, it was the age of Aquarius by the fifth dimension. Mm-hmm. So this song spoke when I was a kid, I realized that yes, these according to astrology, we are passing from one era to another and we are currently in the age of Aquarius, before we were in the age of Pisces. So something like that, I mean. And um, the thing is that after that people stopped talking about the age of Aquarius and they started talking about the new age. Remember? Mm-hmm. Everything yes. was new age. Mm-hmm. When you started exploring Hinduism or Buddhism, you know, that's new age. Yeah. So um, now people are talking about spiritual awakening and they are also talking about passing from third dimension to fifth dimension. dimension. Yeah. So that takes us back to the fifth dimension that had the song, The Age of Aquarius. So it, it it is all interrelated. Why do people say that we are going passing from third dimension to fifth dimension? I've heard it from different people. So uh, why do they say that? Well, I don't really know, but the, something's going on. So the the scientific uh, explanation I think is that we are. Not only near-death experiences are more are are increasing with the development of technology, but also uh, psychedelics, ayahuasca, DMT, mind-altering drugs that are allowing people to experiment. Yeah, and some people with DMT they call it uh, the God molecule. They have had uh, mystical experiences. Mm-hmm. So you can also have mystical experience meditating. 
and there and now more than ever people are meditating when we were kids only hippies meditated <laughs> and yeah and christians said that it was not allowed that became you know that was from the devil because yeah. that was hinduism you yeah. know so that was considered taboo and even if now more and more people take, yeah well if, even if they just take a couple of minutes just to relax you know and it could be on the golf course it could be whatever it is that sort of takes you out of that complete you know sitting in your head and just lets you relax it's fascinating what people hear and feel and you know i say they sort of remember things you know so tap into their own natural insight i i have a strong understanding that everyone has a lot of wisdom within themselves if they can get rid of the emotional baggage and and look at their own understanding because most people it's what you resonate with so when we're listening to near-death experiences and, and stories like that, you go, most of us don't debate it because there's something that resonates with us because I'd say we've all had a had a couple of turns at it. So, you know, like, so you're looking for what resonates with you that you might not be able to say, I believe this because, but there's something to that that sparks my curiosity. And that's how we start expanding our awareness. Yes. Otherwise, we're going to start creating rules about how to be spiritually awakened and all that, and we'll just bring our control energy. But it's really a personal, very individual experience that yes. isn't just one experience. It's little ones, little ones. It's a, yeah, it's a personal yeah. path. Yeah, definitely. And um, Yeah, that, it's, it's fascinating, though. You could speak for hours on it. So I'm going to get you to flip the book. So, okay. so, so there's three books to pick from, one, two, or three. What number would you like? I know what number I would like, but I would like you to explain which oh, books are those. Are... You are such a journalist. Um, okay, so the first book is actually called Breaking Free, and I use the back of the book, and it tells you a little bit about your soul essence, the core of your okay. soul. Okay. That's second book at today is Insight and Awareness book. So it's a big book and it's got lots and lots and lots of concepts so it can go anywhere. And the third book is my spirituality book and it's it's honed in, in understanding what spirituality, evolution and awakened consciousness okay. is. In the, in the concept of here's some, here's some concepts, where do, you, what, where do you resonate with what makes sense to you? So okay. the, all my books are trying to get you to tap into yourself so would you like so do you think i cheated by asking you <laughs> <laughs> no i don't but i thought there's the journalist <laughs> yeah but, because i i, I want to pick number three but number uh, three. shuffle shuffle them please oh shuffle them oh, yeah, yeah so you still them, you still want them i don't want to get number three but since i um since uh since you told me where number three what number three was about Oh, no, we'll go with number And three. it's supposed to be a surprise. No, it's all good. No, let's just see. Uniqueness. Well, I'll give me number three, Will. Okay, give all me right. number three. Okay, so give me a number between one and 188. Three. Three. Before you ask me your next question, three again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to show you a picture, and then I'll read out the... Um, 
the caption. Can you see? Oh, a labyrinth. A labyrinth. Okay. Okay. And I am? Is that yes. me? Or, or yeah, well, am I the labyrinth? Like, you might be the labyrinth. So, so basically the picture is a labyrinth with a man who's sitting with his um, head in his knees, crouched over, and he's not looking too crash hot, actually. When we mindfully explore the labyrinth of life, we evolve through our discoveries. When we refuse to acknowledge the opportunities life presents, we become stuck in the labyrinth, unaware that we are the key to unburdening our soul. I That's what you're doing. You're in the labyrinth looking at near-death, like your journalist ex, exploration of religion, near-death experiences, you know, because you take a, a topic and then you create a series on it. That's you exploring the labyrinth of life and you are evolving through what you're discovering. Would you agree? He's smiling. Yes. Yeah. Well, I like your interpretation. Yeah. But it also it's also telling me that I am having this um, great opportunity because um, I want you to know, Lorraine, that this is my first public interview since I published oh. the book. Oh. And you know, the, I recently published the book, and I have tomorrow I have another interview on Thursday. I'm, I'm, go, I'm also going to be interviewed, and this is like opening a new door because up to now I was interviewing near-death experiences, but now other people who have channels about near-death experiences are also interested in inviting me. So that yeah. is a, a new projection. I see it as an opportunity that I must uh, take. Explore it. Yeah. Yes. And I'm excited to see all of this labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, I will. You know, it because what what happens is we become so stuck in our views that we get stuck in the labyrinth. See, I, I always look at life as a <clears throat> that we're going to live a multi-tiered labyrinth. So you go in there, you explore something, and then by the time you get to the middle, you're coming out the other way, and you're bringing that right. new knowledge. Right, so see, so your first part of the labyrinth is is exploring what's in there, what do I need to learn, what's what's being presented. Then when you're coming at the middle, but you know you hit the middle and then you're coming back around. How are you integrating? How are you using what you've just learned? How are those discoveries changed or evolved you? You know what sort of transformation do you have? And then you go into another labyrinth, but you're bringing all that wisdom and awareness into that. And you'll experience that again, and, and that's how that's how we evolve. Is because we every experience we have in life, there's a bit of a labyrinth to it, you know. Um, as we're trying to work out, you know, I call it the emotional baggage. The more things you understand, the more you start to understand yourself. The greater your natural wisdom and curiosity, and all that starts to flow. So then you tap into your natural essence of who you are. Just out of curiosity, give me a number. Uh, I'm going for book two, oh, well, um, the Breaking Free book, the Soul book. Can you give me a number between 189 and 215? 215. 215. There we go. Hang on. Just out of curiosity. 
Okay. So, so here it says, this is so, so this is about the core essence, right, of your soul. So it, we've okay. all got these core essences. We've all, these are just the ones I've wrote about, but they're the, the true essence of your soul. And every now and then you'll have ones that are more prominent. And then, but we, we can tap into all of them. And at the moment, yours is saying your uniqueness, right? Your uniqueness is the exquisiteness of who you are. Your uniqueness flourishes when you unshackle the chains of oppression that cause you to blindly conform to what oppresses your understanding and unconditional love for yourself. Comprehending that you are, un that you are unique creates an intent to live the authenticity of who you are without fear of condemnation. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have well, a, did you like, what, what, what are you, it? are you a witch? <laughs> you know, be careful. They may burn you. <laughs> I've been accused of it a few times, but no, I'm not. Yeah. Well, that is really enlightening, you know, I really appreciate it because it made me think and become aware of certain things. As I heard, while I heard you, I came into different realizations, you know, Yeah. So it really touched my soul. Thank you. Beautiful. Which... <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> well, well, thank this you. This was I... fun. I really, I really enjoyed it. Thank you a lot, Lorraine. And um, it's nice meeting you. And I hope we can get together in the future. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, AJ.